What a day to celebrate, wasn't it? Man. There's so many things to celebrate today, baptisms, baby dedications, you get to celebrate less and God's provision and, and all of these great things that we've been doing up here at this church. And all morning long, I just everyone I've talked to expresses the sentiment that this is an amazing family to be part of, isn't it? God is working. Like Larry said, we are a church. Yes, yeah, we can clap. I'm sorry, I started talking. It's a church that's passionate to hand uh, our ministry off to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. And so it's always so amazing to see kids from 11 to in their 90s coming and worshiping together and being part of the family of God. This is a day to celebrate. If you want to come back tonight, we're going to celebrate and worship God at 7 o'clock. It's going to be unbelievable. This is a day that we set apart several times a year to say, you know what, let's, let's celebrate because God is good. And yet there are some folks in here today that, that you need to celebrate today. And let me tell you what you need to celebrate today. You need to celebrate today because today needs to be the day that you step into faith in Jesus for the first time. You maybe, have, you maybe you've been coming for years, right? Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe that you drove up the driveway this morning and you just knew today's the day, right? I, I need to step into the faith. Maybe you've been wandering, like somebody said up there. I've wandered, I wandered like everyone does, and then I came back. Maybe today's your day to come back. Maybe today's your day that, that you've been thinking you've been following Jesus for a long, long time. And then you hear these stories and you think, okay, that has never happened to me. God has changed my life a little bit, but he's never changed my heart. He's never changed everything. He's never transformed me. I've never really trusted him. Today, if that's you, let this be your day that you step over the line of faith and trust in Jesus, in his death for the forgiveness of your sins, in his resurrection for your new life, and cling to him and follow him and watch how he transforms you from the inside out. I want to close our time this morning by opening up a scripture with us in Matthew chapter 25. And we've been in this chapter for three weeks now, and Matthew 25, Five is full of parables about the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. And if you've been coming for the last couple weeks, I don't know about you, but every time I leave, <laughs> I'm thinking, man, what am I doing with my life? And we talk about the fact that Jesus can come back at any moment. He wants to find us ready and working and, and expanding his kingdom. And I think if he came back today, would I be just sitting there watching the Warriors game or would I be at work, Right. I guess this morning I was here at work instead of watching the Warriors game, so that's good. And last week, Mark Tyler talking about stewardship. He said there's two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And you walk away from that, from that parable about the talents, and you think, what? am I using my life as a stewardship to multiply the kingdom of God. When God comes back, and he's coming back, right? When God comes back, will I have multiplied his kingdom on this planet or will I have taken the talent he's given me and buried it? The resources he's given me and buried them. The relationships he's granted me and buried them in the ground. Or when God comes back, will he find me working and expanding and pushing forward what he has given to me? And this passage we're going to read this morning is, is interesting because after these two parables... A lot of commentators don't know what to do with this idea of the sheep and the goats. Because the story of the sheep and the goats, it kind of sounds like a parable. It's about sheep and goats. 
It's about the end times. It's about standing before Jesus and walking through like a shepherd. And it follows some other parables. But at the same time, there's some things in this passage that sound too real to be a parable. And Jesus talks about the day when all nations will stand before him. And he'll sit on his heavenly throne and rule between them. And when we read the rest of the scriptures, we realize, okay, this isn't just a story Jesus is making up. This is the real deal. And so he transitions from these stories about life and how we're living them to a real life event where he says, someday when I come back, you're going to stand before me. And in that moment, you don't get an opportunity to decide how you're going to do better with your life next time. It's over. And you're going to find out which side of eternity you're going to stand on. And let me read this passage for us. This is Matthew 25. Verses 31 to the end of the chapter. And Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put his sheep on his right, and he'll put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then I'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. It's funny, whenever I've read this passage in my life, it fills me with a little bit of fear. (laughs) It reminds me of that passage in the other sermon in Matthew 7, when he says that people will stand before him on judgment day, and, and they'll see, Lord, Lord, it's you, Jesus. And he'll say, who are you? He says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in that passage, we, re- we realize that there will be several people, many people, multitudes of people who are standing before Jesus on judgment day who think they're going to go to heaven because they call Jesus Lord, but he's going to look back at him and say, who are you? It's only the sheep and the goats passage. It finds its foundation in Ezekiel chapter 34, where God is talking about calling back his sheep from, that has been scattered and treated poorly by all these bad shepherds. 
says, I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm going to call you to myself. I'm going to shepherd my flock. And when I do, in Ezekiel 34, he says, and I will go through my flock and I will separate the sheep from the goats. The people who are within the people of God, who think they know the shepherd, will come through and he'll find those who are just messing with the flock and he'll send them out. So you think you're one of us, but you're not a sheep. You're a goat. And I read this passage and I ask, am I a sheep or a goat? <laughs> and sheep and goats look the same in those times. The Shepherds sometimes couldn't discern from afar which was which. And yet in Ezekiel 34, God says, let me tell you why the goats don't belong in my flock. He says, all I want you to do as part of my flock is I want you to eat the grass I put in front of you. All I want you to do is drink the water that I lead you towards. That's all you have to do. But the goats, they're stomping around. They're getting mud everywhere. They're tearing up all the grass. They're going into the water source, bringing filth everywhere. You're messing up the flock for the sheep. And so you got to go. And so when you read in this passage, he says, I'm going to separate out of the sheep and the goats. He says, you didn't care for me. You didn't feed me. You didn't visit me in prison. You didn't do any of these things. In the same way, he's saying, you people called yourself part of my children, part of my family, part of my flock. And all I wanted you to do was experience me and be transformed by me as you clung to me. But instead, you just messed up the world for everybody else. Sometimes we read this and we think that Jesus is like a spy in the world. That he's come and he's like sitting on the street corner with a sign that says, homeless and hungry, please help. And we drive by and Jesus is like, wow, <laughs> thanks for nothing. I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you need to go feed some homeless folks. I don't think Jesus is saying in this passage, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you better go to the prison and visit folks. That's how you earn heaven, right? That's kind of what we talked about this morning. No one earns heaven. What Jesus is saying is if you want to know whether or not you truly belong to him, right? Maybe you call yourself a Christian. If you want to know if you truly belong to him, look at your life. Look at your heart. Does it have compassion on people in need? Do you have a heart that breaks when God's children are suffering? Do you have a heart that when someone has a need, you just want to help them? Jesus says, if this is you, if you've extended yourself into the lives of other people, then you can be pretty sure that I've transformed you because that's not normal. Right? Normal is hating people. Normal is hardening your heart against people in need. Normal is what we do when we see someone who has a need for housing. We say, I hope they don't ask me to live with me. Right? That's normal. Jesus says, but if you have a heart that is breaking for people, the brothers and sisters around this world who are suffering and hurting, and you want to extend yourself and serve them, you can be pretty sure that your faith is the real deal. And maybe there's a chance this morning that you're thinking, I have no idea if I'm a Christian or not. Right? There's a book in the Bible that's completely devoted to examining ourselves to see whether or not we're in the faith. It's called 1 John. Right? And many of you have studied that. 1 John says, I write these things to you so that you might know that you have eternal life. If you're not sure if you know Jesus, study 1 John. John gives us four tests that we can use to decide if we're really in the faith or not. And John says, well, one thing that you can test, he calls the walking in the light test. Says, Are you really walking in the light, following the real Jesus? Right? We hear walking in light, we think walking in righteousness without sin, all that. When John says walking in the light, he means, do you believe in the real Jesus? Have you trusted him? Do you know the real Jesus? If you're walking in the light, he says, that's what Christians do. He says, there's the righteousness test. 
have your, has your life been transformed by God? Are you pursuing holiness? Are you confessing your sin? Are you running away from sin and saying, I don't want that anymore? He says, if you pass the righteousness test, there's a, there's a pretty good chance you're a real Christian. He calls it the obedience test. He says, oh, do you obey Jesus' commands? When God comes into your life and says, do this, do you do it? Do you pass the obedience test? And then John says, his final test is the love test. He says, do you love your brothers and sisters? He says in 1 John chapter 3, he says, if anyone claims to be a Christian and they have material possessions and they see their brother in need but have no compassion on him, how can the love of God be in him? And that's what Jesus is bringing out here in Matthew 25. He says, if you've been transformed by Jesus, right, if you can wear that T-shirt, transformed by Jesus, you, you believe in the real Jesus. You're pursuing righteousness. You're fleeing from sin. You're obeying the commands of Jesus and following after him, and you love your brother. It's changing the way that you live. And if you can't pass those four tests, John would say, and Jesus would say, there's a chance you've never been transformed. There's a chance the heart that's in you is still a heart of stone. It's not been converted to a heart of flesh. And John and Jesus are not saying that if you want to become a Christian, you start doing these things. He says, if you're doing these things, you can look at your life and say, you know what? Like the wedding ring, I look at it and think, oh, I guess I'm married. <laughs> if I got in a car accident, had amnesia, woke up in a hospital bed, and I wasn't sure if I was married, I can look at the wedding ring. But if you want to mess with somebody who has amnesia, stick a wedding ring on their finger, right? <laughs> like Ryan said, a wedding ring doesn't make you married. It proves to you that you are. So if you look at your life and you see a love for Jesus, a fleeing from sin, a pursuing of righteousness, an obedience to the commands of Christ, and a love, a supernatural love for your brothers and sisters around this world and in this church family, you can say, you know what, God? I've examined myself, and I think I'm in the faith. But this morning, if you read this passage, or you think about your life, or you consider your heart, and you know that it's cold and dark, and you're just trying to make it up to God by showing up at church, doing some good things, and being good enough for heaven, it's not going to work. God transforms us like we heard several times this morning. When we buckle our knees, we fall before him, and we say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Make me clean. Give me a new heart. Transform my life. I need you. This morning, if you need Jesus, let this be the day that you say that prayer to him. Whether it's here in this room, or it's in our prayer room after the service, or it's in your house tonight after you've thought about it, wrestled with it, whatever it is, bow your knee to the one that someday you'll stand before him, and your knee will bow at that point. But it's too late to make a decision on Judgment Day. Today is the day of salvation.